Hey, Sam here, and I know your day's crazy, but I've got a quick idea to take your stress from overwhelmed to under control. So let's tackle systems from the classroom to your living room, one simple step at a time. This is the Simple Systems with Sam podcast. Welcome to part four, our final section of our Essentialism book study summary podcast series where (laughs) I never came up with a great name for it, but I try to condense about 50 pages at a time of the book Essentialism by Greg McCune into about a 20 minute long podcast episode. So clearly I'm not covering everything. It is a jam packed book full of really great anecdotal stories and also more specific details. If you're interested, I'll keep the link in the show notes for you. If you want to go buy your own copy, I have highlighted mine. Each section is color-coded a different section. I have tabs. I have dog-eared things. I uh, basically whittled it down to the essentialist parts, which is the whole point of the book. So I hope that Greg appreciates that. (laughs) Section one, we talked about the essence, like what makes us who we are, what are the things that make us our happiest, bring our highest contribution to the world, how do we figure those things out. Part two is about exploring options, making sure that you know everything that's out there and you're exploring in a way that's productive. You're not just saying yes to everything, you're figuring out what might actually work for you. Then we eliminated, we kind of got a little cutthroat with it and just learned how to say no to a bunch of stuff because not everything is worth it for us. And now we are on the execution section. The section is kind of my thing. It's all about systems, routines, different things you should think about when you are trying to plan a day that includes all of the essential things you need to do, but with as little friction as possible. We want it to be so easy that you almost can't be stopped from completing the tasks that you're meant to complete. And so we're going to talk about A few of Greg's favorite ways. There are some spots in here where I actually disagree with a few of the things that are said, and it comes from more of a parent and teacher aspect. I just don't know if I feel like they could work in the corporate world. Um, I just don't think that all of the ideals are actually what is going to be beneficial for us. So I have cut those out for you. Um, That was about 25 pages right there. We still have a lot to talk about, so buckle up. We're going to start talking about buffers. Before we can get started executing on things, we have to make the realization that there's such a thing called a planning fallacy, where we tend to underestimate how long it's going to take us to complete things, even when we've already done the task before. Everybody does this. You'll say, oh, I'm going to run to the store. I'll be back in 10 minutes. When in fact, the store is seven minutes away and it is literally impossible for you to be back in 10 minutes or saying that, oh yeah, I can create this worksheet for a class. It'll probably take me like half an hour. Is that okay? It's not going to take you half an hour. In fact, one of the things that Greg brings up is that he believes that it's more of a social force that makes us want to feel like we are more competent. So we try to downplay how long something should take us. But instead, all you're doing is putting more stress on yourself and giving yourself more pressure to complete something that physically isn't completable in the time you've allotted. So we're going to add some buffers in. Every time you say that you're going to do something or trying to map out your day, give yourself time and a half. 
Give yourself an extra 50% onto what you estimate it would take for you to do. That's another reason I love block scheduling. Head back to episode three if you're interested in that, because block scheduling gives you a whole chunk of time and you just have a couple things to get done. So you can clearly give yourself more once you finish it, but really you kind of underestimate the amount of things that you can get done. And then you're just really proud of yourself. And we all love a little pick me up. So give yourself extra buffer in time because we're going to get busy. We're going to get distracted. Within that, you also want to have contingencies as part of a buffer. If something were to go horribly wrong, what is a quick and simple backup plan? And this is not a worst case scenario all the time, but it is a, if this doesn't work out, I already know which way I'm going to steer it. I like to relate this to my sub plans that I sell because I think that the sub plans are a contingency plan for everything. If you need to be gone for an hour for a meeting and you just found out that morning, pull out one of your sub plans that you can use any time of the year. If you are actually out for an emergency, pull out a random sub plan that you can use any time of the year. You need a day in the classroom? Your contingency plan is one of those template sub-assignments. Give yourself a sort of backup to fall to for anything that you think would cause you more stress if it went completely wrong. The next thing is to subtract and remove obstacles that are in your way. There's the term constraints are obstacles that hold an entire system back. And in factory settings, this is something that is looked at very frequently. Um, I worked as a quality engineer for an ammunition facility, and I can tell you that we, we, we focused on those constraints and those limitations. We also acted in a very reactive way. When something broke down, then we handled the problem. And the plant itself was not willing to necessarily turn towards a more proactive solution where you tried to stop problems before they happened. But that's what we need to try to do is we want to limit the things that are going to cause issues. And we also want to limit the problems that are going to slow us down. So they go into the story of hikers and how a Boy Scout troop leader, den mother, whatever they are called, was leading a group of teenage boys on a hike to a campsite. Well, every so often they had to stop because there's the slowest hiker at the back of the pack. And instead he put the slowest hiker up front and then took the excess weight out of his backpack and dispersed it among the faster hikers. And they could speed up the entirety of their walk because They prioritized helping out the thing that was slowing them down the most or the thing that was impeding their progress. So we need to decide what obstacles are keeping us held back from going at the pace that we want, from achieving the things that are essential and really matter, and figuring out how we can reduce the friction of whatever that constraint is. And as long as you take the one-time investment to remove the obstacle, take time to really evaluate your systems, see what types of things are holding you back a little bit. It's going to reduce your long-term effort and help maximize your results. The steps to doing that is one, you have to be clear about the essential intent. That is a very hard phrase to keep repeating through the book, 
It was probably much easier to type than it is for me to read out loud, but your essential intent is what we talked about last time. Something that has a smart goal with inspiration. And so you want to know what you are actually aiming for so you can decide what the slowest hiker of that process is. What is the thing that you have to really take a look at and see how you can speed up that one little process? Then remove the obstacle. That's not saying necessarily take out the slowest hiker, but make it so that the slowest hiker can be sped up or isn't slowing the rest of the process down. Instead, it can be guiding the rest of the process. And this is something that we are definitely going to work on more in future podcast episodes, but a great place to start is the Root Cause Analysis podcast, where we went back and figured out what the core problems might be that are really causing all of your pain. The next section we are flying through today, I'm so proud of us, um, is having the power of small wins behind you. Celebrating all of these small things because being an essentialist, they say, is about taking the small steps, knowing that you are focusing on that long-term goal instead of overwhelming yourself with an entirety of a big picture. It's breaking the giant project down into manageable chunks so that you can take the next step and you don't just get nervous and scared and overwhelmed. That's the friction that we don't want as we are trying to move towards the things that truly matter. And there is an article in the Harvard Business Review, which this author actually was an author for, but said, of all the things that can boost emotions, motivation, and perception during a workday, or honestly, whenever you are doing some task, the single most important thing is making progress in meaningful work. And there's power in steadiness and repetition. So creating an opportunity for yourself to have small wins, to build your own momentum, that you can repeat over and over again. This is actually one of the things that I've been practicing right now is building more of a commitment to the promises that I make myself. And by doing that, like rebuilding my mind's trust to follow through on all the things that I sign up for. So every day I decide on one thing that I will follow through with something super small, something like washing my face or something like getting up and making sure that I have packed a healthy lunch that day. Things that I'm already kind of working towards and they shouldn't be that hard, but by making those promises to myself and following through on them, I'm building momentum in those small wins and then I can start building it up even higher. It's always about one small step. That's why they say when you're about to start a new workout program, just start with getting dressed. Like start motivating yourself by changing into workout clothes. From there, anything you do is bonus. And once you are regularly getting into your workout clothes, start with one push-up. Don't push it too hard. Don't push it too fast. Go ahead and use those small little victories to build momentum. And another great way to think about that is when you're trying to set up these small wins, think about the minimal viable progress. What is the smallest amount of progress that you could make that is actually heading in the right direction? The literal smallest thing but it is doing what you need to do. If you know that you're behind on bills, maybe the smallest thing you can do is start a location where you collect all of the bills, whether that's in an inbox, whether that is signing up for e-billing or a space on your counter. 
the next step, the smallest next step you could take is getting them collected in a single place. And then decide what is the minimal amount that you can do right now when you've made the decision to tackle that task. What is the smallest thing that you can do right now to give yourself some forward progress on that? The example that they use is saying that whenever this lady decides to schedule a meeting or a phone call, she puts it into her phone with the main objectives for that meeting so that later before it happens, she's already started essentially the outline of what needs to be discussed. And so I like to think of that as in our case, as we are maybe unit planning and going through the unit plan process and filling in the unit plan spreadsheet, I will put in ideas of assignments that I want to have into the spreadsheet. And then I can go back later, see that, see what I was trying to tell myself earlier. And I've already given myself a head start in actually completing the task of creating that assignment or finding that assignment somewhere. And I can also easily delete it if I decide that that's not an essential task that I really need to focus on. Whatever it is, you just want to start it and give yourself that sort of momentum ahead of time. Then we go into an entire section on why routines are worth it. And I honestly don't really want to talk too much about routines because that's what we do in every single podcast episode. But there are some really notable concepts in here that I want to bring out. The whole point of a routine is that when you repeatedly do a certain task, you're making new connections through your snapsies. And as you repeat it, the connections strengthen and it becomes easier for the brain to activate them. Routines are made up of a cue, routine, and reward. And so the better cues that we can set for ourselves or the cues and triggers that we can break to break a bad habit is going to form a stronger connection in our brain so that we don't even have to think about it. That's how it becomes routine is Through practice, you know that two plus two is four. We're doing the same thing with simple steps every day that we can build a strong connection through all of our neurons and it will just go on autopilot for us. That means that you're freeing up your mental space to concentrate on something new, which is a huge step because almost 40% of the choices that we make every day are deeply unconscious, meaning that we are not deciding to breathe in and out. We're not deciding to blink, but also we're not always honestly focused on the road when we drive the same path every single day. We can make some unconscious moves without really realizing it. So don't you worry, we will get into way more depth on routines in any past episodes and in any future episodes, because that is what we do here is we create simple systems and simple routines. But the last thing that I found really useful in this book was making sure that you're focusing on what's important now. And it's a lovely little acronym because it spells win. Are you winning in your focus? What is important right now, not in the past and not in the future? We can't control those things. We can't change those things. But in the here and now, if you can stay present, kind of like a Buddhist principle, tune in tune out everything else and tune into the sensations, the feelings, the emotions that you have in the present moment, you generally are just going to be happier. And happy people don't shoot their husbands. That is from Legally Blonde. But we also 
we'll get more done because we don't feel the stress and the friction between the things that we're doing. And the quote that they say with this is that multitasking itself is not the enemy of essentialism. I told you all about how I like to do multitask by pairing up something that you have to think about with something that you don't have to think about so much. But pretending that we can multifocus is if you're giving your focus to too many things, nothing will ever get done. And then we have a lovely set of about 20 pages that wrap up the book into a nice little bow. But this quote I thought was really something that stood out to me, that when we look back on our careers and our lives, would we rather see a long laundry list of accomplishments that don't really matter or just a few major accomplishments that have real meaning and significance? Can we try to focus on everything and feel like we've added that value into our lives or by giving ourselves just the few things that we really care about, that we truly want to represent our lives as a whole. We can make meaningful progress towards them, and we can feel like at the end of the day, we have done a good job. So that is our wrap-up of Essentialism by Greg McCune. I really do enjoy this book. I think it is an amazing book. I think that there are so many great takeaways from it. But I'm also very glad that we are done with this podcast series because here's the thing. It is a lot of information all at once and we've talked about it. I just feel like it's not simple enough to break a whole book down into four episodes. But I would actually love to know your thoughts and your feedback on whether or not you enjoyed this series or any other episodes or how I can help you even better. So if you wouldn't mind, as we approach our 50 episode mark, I would love it if you could fill out the survey that I've linked in the show notes and just help me to understand how I can help you through the podcast. I make no money off of this podcast. I do this because I really want to share the ideas and the thoughts that I have around how you can simplify your life and your routines and just find more joy in doing less of the things. So you'll find that link in the show notes. I would really appreciate it. And to say a thank you, I'm going to be sending out a special PDF to all the people who fill out that survey and leave their email at the bottom. And I will also be sending three people a $20 gift card to go have a lovely, relaxing little date to themselves on me. So thanks for hanging in there as we go through this book. Can't wait to start our next series. Until next time. Thanks for hanging out today. I hope that this simple step will help build big results in your classroom, home, and life. Remember to subscribe, review, and tag me on social media at Engineer Does Education so we can build a simple system together.